0: You know, there's sort of a misconception that that in in all these situations, people are living these miserable lives in developing countries, and that's really not the case at all. It's that they are they're living different lives, and they don't have um the luxury of an infrastructure system that most of the West enjoys.
1: That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with Joe Gonzalez, who is one of the founders of the Project Solution. The Project Solution is a nonprofit organization that has helped thousands of people in multiple countries around the world. The goal of the Project Solution is to fund a few small-scale projects every year and make a substantial difference for people living in distressed areas of the world. Joe shares about how the organization works, how it was founded, some of the projects they've completed, and how others can get involved. Joe is an awesome guy, and the Project Solution is an awesome organization that I'm truly excited to share about. I will throw in that I myself have signed up for the subscription for change program that Joe and I discuss in the show, and I hope that many of you will consider doing so as well. As always, thank you to Misha's Zarens for the music in today's show. Music. Welcome to The Walk Show Podcast, Joe Gonzalez. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening?
0: Very good. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah. So Joe, really, really excited to have you on to talk about um, your nonprofit organization, The Project Solution. Um, in the intro, describe a little bit about what it did, but, or what that that group does. But can you, can you talk about really just how you started The Project Solution? What inspired you to start that over 10 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was...
0: Uh... It was just sort of a little bit happenstance, um, but uh, essentially, um, you know, I'll try and give you the short version of, the, of the, how we started it, but essentially, um, you know, I have a friend, a good friend of mine, Tara Bracco, who co-founded the organization with me, and, um, you know, this is the kind of friend that I'm sure you have a friend like this, too. You know, when you go to dinner with somebody and you solve all the world's problems over dinner, but, <laughs> um, but, but nobody's listening? Right. So, so Tara that kind of friend with me and we talked for many, many years about all kinds of uh, fun ideas and this was the one that kind of stuck um, as something that we should really pursue um, and it really came out of an opportunity um, of something I sort of came across um, somewhat by accident about this organization in Cameroon in Africa uh where a local nonprofit there was trying to fund this water project and it mm. was the need was to extend the water tap to a neighboring village that had 500 people that had no easy access to water and they would have to walk for one to two miles to access the water and so they had been trying to fundraise for this project which you know it required like digging ditches and running pipes and extending this water tap so that that village could have access to it and The amount of money that they needed to provide water for 900 people, uh, for 500 people was $900. Wow. Um, and so my immediate thought was like, well, you know, maybe if I just asked a bunch of friends and family for like 50 bucks each, and maybe I could just help fund this. And then I sort of had this immediate second thought, which was, what if I asked my friends and family for $50 every year, what could I do with that money? And that sort of sparked this idea for what became my nonprofit, uh, The Project Solution, as a way for people to just give small uh, donations once a year, but we would in turn use 100% of those donations and pool it with other donors and fund the project.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. You've got a website, uh, theprojectsolution.org. And there you have, you know, you can look at ongoing projects and you can look at projects that have completed over the years and i was perusing some of those and it it's a pretty wide variety of stuff that you guys are involved with um yeah,
0: yeah. i mean it's infra- uh, pr- primarily infrastructure based is the kinds of things we focus on so water sanitation health um education related types of projects but things that usually have some sort of tangible or physical uh finished um, product whether it's um you know building a toilet facility or having a well dug or building a classroom or something that is usually like you can see as a finished product
1: yeah yeah like i I was looking at one where you guys had put had replaced chalkboards in a in an elementary yeah. school yeah. like which on the one hand is you know uh, that it can seem like that's small in scope, but that makes a huge difference for everyone involved at that school. And yeah. I, I don't I don't remember what the cost or if it was listed there was, but that couldn't have been, it's not like that's tens of thousands of dollars to replace- No, right, boards. exactly. <laughs> and in
0: fact, we actually try and go, we really try and focus on really low cost projects. So all of our mm. projects range between like 1,500 to 3,500 US on average. Mm. Um, and we've never spent more than maybe four thousand or forty five hundred dollars on a project
1: gotcha so if you had and i you know i'm just making up a a scenario here but if you had let's say fifty thousand dollars in donations would you be trying to split that up into ten different smaller projects yeah we actually sort of have this philosophy that bigger is not better yeah
0: (laughs) um and it kind of goes with the idea that um You know, there's a lot you can do with not necessarily a ton of money if it's done in a very effective way that's going to make a real difference to a community. And obviously, you know, U.S. dollar is going to go quite far in in certain countries. And we all of our work is in developing countries. That's where we focus our work. Um, And that is uh, and primarily because we can do a lot with a little.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, right now, obviously, we've got the situation with uh, the Russian invasion into Ukraine. And yeah. and so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of different organizations reaching out to collect funds to, to help the crisis there. And, and certainly I'm not in any way trying to downplay the severity of that. or But to some extent, it almost seems like a problem like that is so significantly large and, and kind of untenable to some extent. Again, not that that means we shouldn't be helping. But you go I I don't know at what point we can say we've seen a finished problem yeah. or a solved problem. Is that kind of how you Well, yeah, and that's
0: sort of one, you know, primary decision that we made with the way we were modeling our organization was to you know, because of the nature of how we structured our organization, it was really about we're looking for small amounts of money. Um, we wanted to do this very one to one or you know, group of people to group of people kind of donation. A model and it's in many ways it's um it's easier to get donations if it becomes a no-brainer for the donors right and so we basically we did a couple things one was to say look you can give us any amount of money you can do once per year um yeah i mean you don't even have to do it every year but our primary model is this model called the subscription for change. And so it's this idea that you give one amount of money once per year, uh, but we use a hundred percent of the money. And then throughout the pro- the process, throughout the project, um, the life cycle of the project, you'll get email updates to see the progress of the work. Um, and then next year you're part of something brand new. So it became so for a donor, it's sort of a no-brainer. They're like, oh, I just have to make a donation and then you just update me with ha- seeing where where literally all every penny of my money is going wow. um and so seeing the progress of something like the bricks arriving for the construction to start or the work being done you know as it gets closer or and then seeing kids drinking water or whatever you know like that yeah. is it's a very clear beginning to end um and So it becomes, we also use the term an effortless gesture, right? It's this idea of like, it's nothing for a lot of people to say, I can, I can give you
1: $50 once a year. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's super powerful and and makes a lot of sense. And it it also strikes me just because, you know, and it strikes me lately as I've been thinking about, um, Nonprofit type work. Uh, I, I, I've asked other people this: Is the word charity like a taboo word at this point? <laughs> um, <laughs> and if so, is nonprofit the term that one should use in place of that? Like, and uh, I, I mean, I don't it depends that- on who you ask. I guess. It, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's a little splitting hairs in
0: some cases. We don't. I mean, it doesn't matter to us. We're not going to say don't use the word charity. We don't. <laughs> we don't use it as much. Um, In general, with our materials and stuff, we tend to use the word non-profit, predominantly because in some cases, people – I guess charities can sometimes be defined as – like some sort of handout or something that's sort of trying to be, ah. um, you know, and it, even though it can be charitable, right. in in the way that right. we define it and that's fine. I mean, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna get into the to splitting yeah. hairs with it for us. Um, you know, and I, I, guess the other part of it too, is that for us, we, because we collaborate with other nonprofits or other charitable organizations, um, you know, I guess we keep it at that high level for the word nonprofit, but.
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and and to be clear, my point wasn't to try and, and pin you down on what you how you guys <laughs> define it. The, 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 the direction I was trying to go with it is that, like, you know, on social media, and, and I'm not different than this, but you know, on social media where we all share our lives in so many different ways, you know, someone can get a new haircut and they'll share that right away. Someone can get a latte and they'll share that, and that's totally acceptable. But if someone, I think, was to share about, like, donating or giving, it almost feels like, oh, look at them trying to – like, there's a cynicism around it that's like, why is this cyn- – <laughs> right. and, and why are we cynical about this but not the latte is my kind of where I'm yeah. Going.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, without shifting this discussion into a completely different uh, <laughs> a rabbit hole, sometimes that's just cultural. You know, like, sure. in many ways, that could be – that is sometimes
1: just a Western ideal. <laughs> I think. I think you're. Yeah. I think you're right. And, and well. And that's why I asked you about the the, the language used because I'm I'm really interested in trying to understand how to talk about these things to talk about it more openly and to more openly share about it and promote it because I would much rather share the work that you guys are doing than my latest Starbucks drink, right? Like that. There's a lot more value in that, um, and and I think that there's a, a part of it where. And I don't know if it's somewhat generational. You know, I grew up in, in the '80s and '90s, and so I grew up with Sally Struthers infomercials, right? Where, <laughs> right. and I and I bring that up, and I mean it, it, it's it, it's a little silly, but there's an element of it where I think that that kind of marketing kind of maybe um, changed people's perspectives to be a little bit more jaded towards that kind of stuff. <laughs> If yeah
0: yeah totally and you know what i will say you do bring up an interesting point too which is that in even today some charities or nonprofits use there's different sort of marketing choices that some people use too and in some cases they use the like sometimes really rough imagery right like a right. really sad or maybe a really a, a hurt puppy or a sad child that's starving or all this kind of imagery as a way to sort of tug on your heartstrings or be like, look, you got to give us money. Look at this sort of terrible situation. And then on the flip side, there's another uh, route to go, which is to show happy people and just saying you know, they, it's more circumstantial that they don't have access to water, but that doesn't mean they're unhappy people. Right. And
1: so we,
0: we use that, we tend to use that approach, right? Like, uh, you know, I've traveled a fair amount and I've visited, uh, you know, several places and it, you know, there's sort of a misconception that, that in, in all these situations, people living these miserable lives, in developing countries. And that's really not the case at all. It's that they are, they're living different lives and they don't have, um, the luxury of an infrastructure system that most of the West enjoys, uh, in, in ways that, um, makes life maybe more challenging, but, but not necessarily horrible not in any way like they're happy people right uh, it's just that this is like it's just the nature of the infrastructure situation that they're in and so and this is just sort of trying to improve their lives and in many cases it's also like a health issue there's a lot of, like a lot of variables depending on
1: what we're doing right right yeah well i think i mean i think that's a really excellent point that you bring up i mean just because you have to walk a mile or two for for water, certainly that would be a great inconvenience. And if you could solve that problem, like you guys did in the story you shared, then life is now easier in that respect. Right. But it's not like that walk led to like all families or broken families or something in that community, right? Like it's right, not at all. It's not yeah. that at all. Not only that,
0: but it's also a case where it's more like you know. And I went to that community. I was in that community and to visit those people after they had it and. For them, it's like what we don't what we don't often think about is like the ripple effect of what these sort of things do. And what it means is that if I don't have to walk a mile and wait sometimes in line to get water, it means that I can just walk down the road because it's not in their home, the water. You know, it's still they just go down to the corner and get the water. So now they have more time in the home. Right. So right. it. it it even that little tiny thing completely changes their lifestyle. And it allows them to then be at the home more often, maybe, maybe they had to leave a kid behind when they went away for a couple hours, you know, they have more time to be productive in the household or, you know, all of everything begets everything else, right. So it's like all of these sort of things have a greater impact that we might not be thinking about. It's not just like, oh, I have water here. It it allows it could change their entire you
1: know life in a lot of ways right right yeah that's that's super awesome so um I, you guys you know pick a project you're gonna fund now are you actually recruiting and sending volunteers to go to these these job sites i don't know if that's the right word to just yeah but no 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 you... no yeah, yeah no it's uh, it
0: is it becomes a job site i guess <laughs> still it's right great. yeah um but um we uh Another thing that I think just worked out well for us with this is that the way we basically do the projects is that we collaborate with other nonprofits. So essentially other nonprofits around the world will apply for a grant, and, mm. and which is really what it comes down to be for them to uh, f- and explain what it is that they're looking for and what they you know want to get accomplished, how much it's going to cost, how many people it will impact. And if we feel like it's a good fit for us, we'll kind of vet that organization out to make sure you know we feel like confident that they the work will get done have they done projects like this before and if we feel like it's a good fit then we um we actually pay out the granted milestones so we'll say well here's part of the money and they get the work started they send us photos and updates to see how it gets underway and then um you know and then we and if we have a great working relationship we'll we'll work with them again we'll do something else with that same group again but what's nice is then we form this relationship with other nonprofits all over the world who are doing the, this work um and i and another important part about that is that you know we're not here to tell them what they need because we we don't know we don't know we're not you know oh look at these americans like telling us what we need you know we don't know we don't know nor are we nor can we assume what they need they're they live there. That's, this is their community. They know exactly what they need. And they're just saying, look, we really need this, but we just simply, it's unattainable for us to get um, $2,000 American to do it. And that's where we,
1: we come in. So do they have, do these, I mean, obviously, you know, you just described you develop a relationship with some of these organizations. So then I'm sure they do just communicate with you directly. But if an organization was looking for, for a grant and they've never worked with you, would they have to find you your organization specifically? Or is there like some sort of broker for these, these grants, if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, no, um, I mean, it's a good question. We they, we've sort of been around long enough that we're sort of out in the magical interwebs in the way that we can um, (laughs) in a way that we are found, and um, we get we get a fair amount of applications uh, throughout the year. So, um, so yeah, so now at this point it's not in the early days, it was me sort of trying to find organizations that might be a good fit and reaching out and seeing if we can make, you know, foster that relationship. Um, but, uh, as you can imagine, it doesn't take long if you're doing enough of those projects for nonprofits to be like, someone's giving out money. Let's, um, (laughs) (laughs) right. Right. Uh, yeah, but so. but
1: for the for the better, right? I mean, that whole that's the whole point, yeah, because we all yeah. want to be <laughs> engaged in that. So yeah, for sure. So I mean, had you ever had you ever done anything like this before? I mean, it just seems like it would be very, um, I don't know about intimidating, but just kind of overwhelming to try and work with people in different countries and all this stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. Well, no, not when I before I started it, nothing quite like it. I'm a, I've always been a. Like volunteer or holic kind of person in my personal life, so I've always done a lot of char- or charitable or volunteer types of things. Yeah. Um, uh, by trade, I'm a project manager, so my skill set is in like large scale organizational management. So yeah. those types of you know budget budgeting and organization and team building and all that kind of stuff is what I've always done professionally. So that part isn't uh, scary to me. Um, and i I had already traveled a little bit and this, you know, I travel more with this, um, and my friend Tara, her background, um, her professional background originally was in, um, grant, um, grant writing. Uh, okay. so she was also in the nonprofit world a lot as well. And, uh, yeah, so with the two of us, you know, it was one of those things that we're like, yeah, let's, uh, over. And that's what, I mean, after that story I told you in the beginning, right uh, at dinner, at one of our dinners, we, I pitched her this idea and, uh, she's like, you know, I think this could be the idea we do. And, um, and we started exploring the process of becoming a non like a legitimate 501 C three, which is the nonprofit status in the U
1: S to, uh, to do it. Huh? So, I mean, What's the what's the biggest obstacle that you guys faced, and maybe early on, if if not now?
0: Yeah, you know the. Um, I guess it depends on how you look at it. As far as the biggest obstacle, um, you know, I, I don't know. I guess at a certain point, I will. I guess the biggest thing for us was that at a certain point, because of the way we designed our nonprofit, and we knew this going in, this wasn't like a surprise to us. You know, we chose to do this very fairly unique model in that donor, we're using a 100%, like literally a 100% of a donor's money to to fund the project. So if you gave us $10, all $10 is going toward a project. So with that, you can imagine that there is the little catch of like, well, how do you pay any sort of overhead cost that might be necessary for operations? And we knew that was always going to be a... A challenge for us and so with that in mind that sort of is the biggest hurdle which is that at a certain point you know we can't get any bigger but that again like I said it's not it's that's okay we're okay with that and we don't we don't feel the need to do like more projects every year specifically. It's not like right. oh we did two projects last year. We have to do four projects this year. How un
1: American of you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well exactly.
0: And you know, and it's 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 great that you say that because unfortunately, you know, this is actually a problem in the nonprofit world is that in many cases nonprofits The only model they use are actually for-profit corporate America business models, which is not at all how you should be running a nonprofit. And there's reasons that will take too long to explain as to why (laughs) some of those organizations choose to do that, but we didn't, we knew like we, Tara and I had a very clear philosophical choice as to how we wanted to do things. And we're like, look, if you can only afford to give us $25, we feel like you deserve to know where that $25 is going. And so we made that choice to say, we're going to use that 100% and we'll, you know, we don't have a huge overhead. I mean, we don't, I don't get a penny to do this and Tara, nobody does, you know, the four of us that are the board that run this organization, like we don't we don't get any money. We, we our soul is fed <laughs> with, um, with the yeah. work we do, but you know, the other cost of, you know, how to pay for the website or how to pay for some right. software that we need for our, our donor. So, you know, income, you know, we have, uh, we have a f- couple donors that will give us, uh, restricted funds toward operations, which can mm-hmm. help us. And, and some, some other, you know some
1: of those things gotcha gotcha you said that you have a lot of projects kind of come across your desk. You guys aren't trying to do more projects necessarily year over year or something. So I assume then that you kind of have to sometimes turn down a project and, and actually select, what does that process look like?
0: Yeah. So we basically every quarter our board meets to review all the open proposals and we sort of just decide which ones we might want to pursue. Um, I mean, we get way more applications than we could possibly ever fund. Um, And, um, and some just don't fit because they just don't fit our model and others, you know, we just don't have unlimited funds, right? So we can do what we can do, but again, that's by design. We can do, we, we feel like a sustainable business model is better for us. So whatever we can realistically do that year, that's what we do. If we can do two great, if we can do five, great. It's just whatever the amount of whatever money we have coming in from donors, right Um, that that that's that's what we can do that year so
1: and that's fine right right now that makes sense so i mean you, you know you mentioned that you've traveled to to the location with the water tap that you described earlier have you have you traveled to other uh locations that you guys have helped out
0: yeah um not all of them you know that's sort of the other nice thing about the way we design this is that the, because we're the local nonprofit that we're collaborating with, they're managing the project, right? So they're on the ground, that's their community. They hire local people, they buy local material, you know, whatever it is to, to get that project done. They're, they're doing that. Um, So I don't have to go, (laughs) but um, I do try and go uh, to some, to where I can uh, to kind of be on the ground, to meet the community, um, to meet the people, to see the work and firsthand to, You know, document it to see how things are going years later uh, and how that's impacting that community. So that's it's important to us as a nonprofit to be able to to obviously see the results firsthand. Yeah. And talk to those communities and see how it's changing lives. So. So, yeah. So I've traveled to several different places. I've been to Nicaragua for a couple of projects we did there. Like I said, Cameroon, I went to I've been to India multiple times. I've been to Nepal. No, not <laughs> Nepal, sorry. Uh yeah, Nepal. Um where else have I gone for those projects? Uh yeah. So I mean, you know, it's it's great to be able to get out to those communities uh, and see the work. And also network
1: for other stuff too. Right, right. I mean, is there any is there any like story from any of those visits that you have that stands out? Like any interaction with someone from one of the communities or anything? Um, wow. Um You know, it's always
0: it's always it's it's always humbling. Is the yeah. is the best I can say about it. I mean, yeah, there's been tons of amazing stories as far as things that have happened and the communities, you know, and things I don't expect. I mean, I don't look, like, right. I don't go in to be like, look at me. I'm just like, hey, I'm right, somebody that's. I mean, I'm fort. I really, I'm fortunate. I'm very, very, very fortunate, and I, I don't take that for granted and I'm a visitor in these countries and in people's homes um in other countries and so um it's it's sort of humbling to me when they invite you in for tea or they yeah um you know or they have some big celebratory like when I was in Cameroon it was like they had the the whole community had this whole ceremony thing and these women came in like singing and gave me gifts and like oh wow gave me this like uh beautiful like ceremonial like almost like shirt like top piece that they put on they're like now you're like a you're one you're a village elder now (laughs) like (laughs) all these like honorifics and stuff and uh and uh you know it's um (laughs) i you know i didn't expect any of that i was like whoa this is more than, a, and then I went to a school, and the whole school was there. There was like hundreds of kids, and they sang a song. And there was like this whole, you know, they wanted me to say something. I was like, okay. I didn't know I had to know the speech.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but look, it's uh, yeah. That's why we do it. I mean, we do it because it's you can really see and hear the stories of why this really sort of very low effort in the grand scheme of things. I'm really, all I'm really doing is organizing the money and really making these connections, or, or maybe it seems like a lot more, but, uh or maybe it is a lot more, but it's, it's not a lot of work in that sense for me to do that. Um And the, but the result is, is enormous. It's enormous.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, something that you said um, at the beginning of, of what you were just saying there is is that you're very fortunate and that's something that has that I have thought a lot about in the last couple of years you know certainly I don't mean to imply that no one in the west has uh, or in America has a, a troubled life or sure. that they aren't don't have challenges but there's also this like c- culture in America where everyone wants to believe that like if they do have a fortunate situation. Like it's because they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and they right. they made right. the right choices and they worked hard. And to some extent that might be true. They might've worked really hard and they might've made sacrifices, but it is a dice roll that I was born here. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of in a developing country where I might face very more significant challenges than I've faced here. And that has nothing to do with anything that I chose. You know? No, hundred percent. And look, I think it really
0: comes down to, and it's not about, we're not trying to compare and necessarily, no, ever, no, that's you not know, my point either. No, for, yeah, definitely. And I think, I think the really, what it comes down to is that it's when you live in the West and the reality is, is that you are extremely privileged in a lot of ways, yeah. even the, even the most, um, you know, those that do without, or that struggle, we struggle for a lot of different reasons that are not even always the fault of the individual, but of a systematic problem. But, um, but, you know, we're also looking at like on the flip side, we're talking about a situation where um, imagine a primary school of 300 children with no toilets. Right. Right. And that is a very, very common problem um so no bathrooms no water warning water no plumbing to to have water um so (laughs) and so of course that can lead to all kinds of other problems right like so they're using open fields or whatever or sometimes just a pit and uh that of course can have ramifications of disease and sickness and death or all kinds of things with that so you know, so what we are trying to do in a lot of ways is more of a human dignity or human right thing uh, to those communities to be able to, a lot of those projects revolve around that sort of situation, right? Which is more like, look, we're building a small toilet facility for a a school or we're um, having a well pump put in that wasn't there before so that children have water or um, kids that sit on the floor, um, we're building desks so that they could sit and have an education. So the, the types of projects we're doing are s- that again, super small in the grand scheme of things, but massive in the, in the long uh payoff and, and um, support that it gives those communities.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that, I, I think that there's just a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of hope in that though. You know, like I, this is the opposite end of, the spectrum that we're talking about but like there was a netflix documentary that bill gates had uh within the last few years where he talks about these really significant projects that he's working on and one of them is trying to solve sanitation in i think in, yeah. like in india where you have all these homes that are all built on top of one another and like you can't put western style plumbing in them like it just yeah, does, it right. doesn't work so there has to be a new solution and it's all very fascinating but to to, to be completely like honest someone like me watching that it's like well that seems pretty unsolvable right like or if it's going to be solved it's going to be solved by Bill Gates you know who's right 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 may as well be an alien to me you know <laughs> and, and when I say that because then just find what you guys are doing and and you know maybe you didn't solve sanitation for the whole of India but the fact that you did solve it for a school and like you just said I mean you really get to see the impact for someone like that that reinforces like hey we really can make a difference still like we don't have to be on the bill gates level to make change
0: You know? yeah definitely and and as you said it's not you know we don't go in it, it can be hard right when you're there and when you see the reality of some situations that you feel like oh well i just should give up because there's no way you know but i think you have to for yourself, you have to be able to say, look, I know I can't solve the world's problems. That's not for me to do um, because not one person is going to do that. Uh, But I can do this, right? Right. This is what I can do. And I know that, uh, you know, even something that is not glamorous as a toilet facility uh, seems when you really think about it, like that, that finished toilet facility will continue to serve, how many kids for how many years and right. if a, if a handful or one or two kids didn't like literally die i know that uh, not to make it too no whatever, right but it didn't yeah. catch a disease because they had that and then if that kid grows up to be some something that becomes change life changing for that community or for his family or whatever right like you have to kind of think in the sense of that generational, deeper way that what sort of impacts something that seems
1: that might seem insignificant is not, right? So uh, you know, you mentioned that you've always in your personal life been been a, a very active in, in volunteering, and then obviously now you're you're involved with this for for so long. I'm I'm curious, where do you think that comes from? Like what? My what, how do you think about it? Okay. <laughs> No, please. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to go on, please. No, that's it. Um, Yeah. uh, yeah, You know, I, again,
0: I've, I don't know. I just feel fortunate that I had a mom that, you know, quote unquote dragged me to like those walkathons and bikeathons and things to, to be, I was like one of those, I was like 10 years old, like checking people into a -a walkathon or March of Dimes thing or handing out water or, you know and i i think having and i mean i you know i grew up, we didn't grow up with any money really other than we were like middle class or lower middle class I'm like she was a single mom after a divorce and um my sister and i and we you know we, we just went along with whatever <laughs> she took us to um but i think the importance of that was uh those were the kind of things that helped me say oh look there's actually more to life than where I live, right? There's different types of people, there's different cultures, there's different, there's people with money with no money, there's whatever type of families, different types of families, all of it was eye opening at a very young age. So I think that helped set me on a path of being like, oh, yeah, there's more to life than this one little place I live. Um, And my father worked in the airline industry. And so sometimes we traveled, but again, it's uh, it's all circumstantial. But I, it's the fortunate part. I feel very, very fortunate to have had these circumstances to allow me to do these sort of things that I would never have been able to do because we we couldn't afford to do those kind of things. But circumstance allowed me to do it, right. and that also gave me exposure to visiting other places and to to broaden my perspective to say oh yeah there's more Look, like, we all live in this one this little rock in space we don't we don't <laughs> we don't live in new york or wherever right we live in uh in the on the planet and so that helped me uh it always it's always in front of mine,
1: i guess mm, yeah no that's that's super awesome um well joe i absolutely i i'm you're a very generous person and i I, I feel like you're probably not one who likes flattery, so I don't mean to flatter you, but I truly am humbled to have you come on <laughs> and, and share your wisdom and share your insight here and talk about the Project Solution. Thank you. Um, I think it's just super awesome, um, and I couldn't be more excited to, to share what you guys are doing. Um, again, like I said at the beginning, people can go to theprojectsolution.org. They can can look through projects that are there. You've got an FAQ that answers you know questions that people might have. Is there anywhere else that people should should reach out if they wanted to to know more or interact with you at all?
0: Um, I mean, we're on Instagram as well, or everything. I mean, on the main website is the, really the best place you can find the links to any kind of social media that's there. Okay. Um, and, um, and and look, as I said, you know, if it's something that if it's if it's an idea that moves people, uh, you know, you can donate through the site too if that's of any interest, or even if you just have any random question about how we do things uh you could reach out to us too um but yeah look we're just a little nonprofit that tries to do as much as well you know whatever we can uh and we don't we don't see ourselves stopping anytime soon so awesome (laughs) well joe
1: really really appreciate you uh taking the time to come on the show tonight it's been a real pleasure man
0: yeah thanks so much for having me it was great
1: awesome
2: Circled on the wheel, he's juggling all day. He barrels past those broken down blind and the damages he made. He's got a plan pinned now. The world turns his way, legible to himself. Chicken scratches all he made. Any indication of where he's going? Did he say? Bridge of illusion that folds and sways In her eyes. She rips the bottle with rain. She gives the finger its a gas, with the desolate in her way. Her only cares are her plans, that clock ticks her day. Too many models to remember, she'll drag again next day. Any indication of where she's going, did she say? She left a path of destruction on a bed of nails she made. us down with you There's others here
1: That's all for the show today. Thank you so much to Joe for stopping by and sharing his walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show, and of course, thank you, listener, for listening. I also invite you to check out my other shows, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we explore the idea of why gaming matters, or my other show, The Crowfall Podcast, which shares stories and perspectives from the MMO Crowfall. As always, thanks for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.